Hello and welcome back to Meet the Chefs. Today I'm talking to Liam Nichols, the head chef and founder of Store in Stoke Mill. Here he offers a really unique small-scale dining experience, as you'll hear him explain. He's had an incredible career that's taken him from the States all the way back over here and he's worked with some of the most amazing chefs you can think of. He's also just been awarded his first Michelin star last week. So as you can imagine, it's been a seriously busy seven days. Thanks so much again to Liam for giving me the time and enjoy our chat. Okay, so welcome back everyone to, to another one of these Oxford Eat podcasts. Today we're meeting another chef. We're meeting the fantastic, fantastic Liam of Store. Um, and yeah, so before we move on to, to your restaurant, Liam, which you are, of course, head chef of. I wanted to just sort of talk a little bit about your your background and and how you arrived here. So I was wondering yeah. if you could talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and who inspired you to get into cooking. Um, I'll tell you, a big part of it is my dad. Definitely, my dad. He was a baker. He's, he's a baker by trade, so there mm-hmm. was always sort of home cooked meals when we were younger. Um, yeah, he was always cooking the meals. It was never mum. Mum's an awful cook. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was mainly, definitely my dad. Sort of definitely cooking at the weekends, cooking in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, um, were you were you always helping? Were you always helping out with that? Always, and it got to a point when I could sort of like actually hold a knife and do it myself. When I got to about twelve, thirteen, I was just cooking the evening meal for the family by myself, which I used to love. Amazing. Get home from school and just cook cook tea. Yeah, I, I yeah I do the same, and I do think there's something sort of there's something very nice about that i think at a young age being able to give something back to the family isn't it yeah i used to love it made some made some errors along the way but that's all part of course of fun, isn't it? yeah absolutely yeah. You, you only learn by making errors i imagine <laughs> exactly definitely. um and what well what was your sort of go-to dish at that young age then what was the first thing that you really curries curries yeah kind of like, yeah yeah the basic of basic curry like onions mushrooms garlic if I could be bothered to chop the garlic, <laughs> curry, curry powder and like water and flour. Well, that's the great thing though, isn't it? So you can just sort of bang it's everything in there. Yeah. Bang it all in there and most people probably aren't going to aren't gonna mind what you come up with. <laughs> no, no, when you're a kid, you get rid of anything, don't you? Well, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah. So then, so obviously you're sort of, you're cooking from a young age. How do you sort of, when, at what point do you decide that this is what you want to do going forward as a career? I remember having a conversation with my mum, and I said, Mum, I either want to be a chef or a pilot. And she mm. went, you'll have to go to university to be a pilot. <laughs> I knew I just hated school, so I was like, well, I'm not going to university, so I will be a chef. Uh-huh. And what was the sort of early early path into that then? Was it culinary school, or was it learning on the job? I was washing up at 14, sort of applied to be a Saturday boy, mm-hmm. washing up. They sort of took me on as boy washing up mm-hmm. you know, very slowly being a saturday boy you get to prep the sunday veg so oh lovely you're in a professional <laughs> kitchen prepping the broccoli prepping the parsnips mm-hmm. um for sunday and then it's you know doing a bit more like working saturday and sunday in the pot wash and then as soon as i left school at 16 disease and then they employed me full-time as a chef and then i did wonderful college Amazing. And what was the sort of what was the thing the most important thing you took from that that job just like initially in a in a professional kitchen? What was the first thing that really struck you about that? Oh, just the camaraderie, 
business, the banter, like, I just loved it. I did love it. I like the fast pace. I like the energy of it. Mm. All, all of that kind of stuff, really, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, some people really do fall in love with that, you know, the crazy hours, the the camaraderie, don't they? And some people, I think, go into it and straight away are just like, no. Not yeah, for me. exactly. It's not for everyone. It's a love it or hate it thing for sure. Um, and so after that, what was so you were you were head chef there, and then what was the sort of next no, step for like, you? Sorry, you're a normal chef. Sorry, normal chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very bottom, like. Yeah, that. Boy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just sent out about 20 letters around the country and got a few replies, but one who did reply was Daniel Clifford at Midsummer House. Oh, wow. It sort of ticked a lot of boxes being only an hour away from Norwich. So yeah. as an 18 year old, I was like, that's kind of perfect. I went and did a trial shift, mm-hmm. um, offered me a job, and then I, I handed my notice in at that local pub and then moved to Cambridge. Amazing. And just you just took the leap. Yeah, it was a week after my 18th birthday I started at Midsummer House. Oh, wow, that's um, crazy. So I stayed there for two and a half years. Uh-huh. And did you sort of, as you were going there, were you, you know, were you, did he take you under his wing a little bit from from yeah, that young definitely. age? It was very, like, a proud moment, definitely on last Monday night at the Michelin Awards, obviously had Daniel Clifford there mm-hmm. and watched me. You know, he was, like, one of the ones I gave a hug to as soon as I came off the stage. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so he really was a sort of... As, yeah, really, really inspired you. And, um, yeah, taught me a lot. A lot. He's a hard man to work for, but a very, 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 <laughs> very good chef. What was the most important thing he taught you? Um, if you're not happy with it, don't send it. Mm. Yeah. No, I can, yeah, that's sort of the key, isn't it? And consistency. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and after that, because um, I know you spent a lot of time, you've, you've cooked in some amazing places around the world. Um, I've been very lucky. What was the sort of at what point did you decide that you wanted to, to leave the UK and, and experiment with these different cuisines and different countries, industries? Well, after Midsummer House, I went into the ski season. Do you oh, know what? I just, I've, I've always loved skiing. I used to ski mm-hmm. for Norfolk and I just thought, oh, wow. after working so hard for so long, for yeah. two and a half years in a two star restaurant, little kid beaten up, yeah. I just thought, let's go have some fun. So, mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to do a ski season, so I went and did a ski season. And it was then when I came back to the UK, I went to work at a restaurant called Sat Baines in Nottingham, which mm-hmm. is also a fantastic, fantastic chef to work for, fantastic restaurant to be in, surrounded by like incredible chefs as well. Like the chef to parties when I worked there were like Tom Spensley, who's like mm-hmm. now got two stars at the Ledbury, Niall Keating, who's like got two stars in <laughs> his own right, and Jordan Bailey, who's got two stars in his own right. That must be the one of the most decorated chef to party <laughs> collections ever. So we, we were all like in our early 20s then, uh-huh. cooking together when Gareth Ward was the sous chef. So it was kind of like that is incredible. an amazing collection of chefs that I used to surround myself mm-hmm. and restaurants. That, that is that is amazing. So then, yeah, and then when so you came back to the UK, um, and then I mean, yeah, you've had a an amazing catalogue of jobs. What would you say the most sort of extraordinary position you've had outside of the UK has been? Uh, when I moved to New York, I was very fortunate to get um, sous chef at Mamafuku Co in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, at the time I think it was like sixty seventh best restaurant in the world. Amazing. Just like working with Sean Gray. And all the people over there, it's just like, yeah, crazy restaurant, um, crazy fun, completely different style of 
cooking. Obviously, yeah. very heavy on the Asian influence. Yeah. I think that definitely influenced my cookery now. Mm-hmm. How how would you describe your cookery now? And if you sort of had to sum it up. Oh, very difficult. Um, yeah, like influences from around the world. Mm-hmm. Especially not like a set cuisine. We're not English. We're not French. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not Asian, but we're sort of a, a melange of them all. You know. Perfect. You're taking the best bits. Yeah, definitely. Like having a bit of fun. Like there's, there's no mm-hmm. like it's cooking what feels right at the moment. Like we don't have a rule book. Yeah, because I think a lot of a lot of restaurants do sort of pigeonhole themselves, don't they? And then yeah, they end up having. You can't, you know, you, you can't put something Asian on because people are going to be like, "Well, this is." You, you're not fulfilling the brief. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so, and at what point was the goal always when you said you wanted to go into to Michelin cookery and that sort of level? Was it always that you wanted to have your own site, your own restaurant, or was it? Was there a decision, a point in your career where you decided, yeah, now I want to take the leap and, and open my own place? I've taken enough knowledge on. Yeah. Sorry, again. So, at what point did you decide that you'd sort of taken enough knowledge on from all these amazing chefs you'd worked with and you thought, right, now I'm going to go and do it on my own? You honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a kind of a do or die thing. Like, at no point do you go to bed and think, tomorrow's the day I'm ready. It's just a case of, right, tomorrow I've somehow got myself to a position where I'm cooking my own food and you've got to be ready and you've got to start thinking in a different way. Because when you work for these chefs, a lot of the time you're just told what to cook. Mm-hmm. Like they're telling you how to cook their food. Yeah, of you course. Know, at some point, when you get to a point where it's your restaurant, you have to then be like, oh, I now have to tell someone else how to cook my food. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's quite a hard thing. Yeah, it's difficult. And was that exciting for you the idea of being able to come up with all these dishes yourself and really sort of model store from the bottom up or was it was yeah, it daunting or a bit of both yeah very nerve-wracking because mm-hmm. i mean stores an open kitchen we'll show you some pictures of it so mm-hmm. literally if people don't like it i have to watch them <laughs> and not enjoy it you know? Yeah. So, I mean, Store is, Store is a fascinating restaurant and I haven't visited, but I've read a lot about it. Do you mind sort of giving a, an elevator pitch to the listeners for us about you know, exactly what you guys do? And what your ethos is. Yeah. So, I mean, this used to be the private dining room of the Stoke Mill main restaurant. Um, so, during COVID, obviously, the private dining, like large table dining, was not a thing. Mm-hmm. So, a bit of a drunken conversation between myself <clears> and the owner, Andy Rudd, at the pub. We just thought we'd make the private dining room into its own separate restaurant. Mm-hmm. So, we sort of set about building the kitchen, um, purchasing tables, buying all the plates, different glassware, different cutlery. So, completely different everything mm-hmm. what Stoke Mill uses. Um, and the theory was that we would just cook a tasting menu in the room, in front of the guests, mm-hmm. serve it ourselves, and that'd be that. It's very supper club-esque, it sort of strikes me. Yeah, yeah, we just try to have fun, you know? Uh-huh. And it's sort of... Tablecloths, like nothing fancy, we play house music, I'm a big lover of house music. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I have a playlist full of Daft Punk, Remix, Empire <laughs> of the Sun, um... Eric Fritz, I love Eric Fritz. Like oh, I love Eric Fritz. I love Eric Fritz. What happens if someone doesn't like House? I feel like that's a that's oh, a. People, oh, some old people make comments, but you know, it's I wouldn't go to their house and tell them what music to play. Yeah, quite. Yeah, exactly. They've yeah. they've decided to come. They've made the leap. Um, they have to listen. Exa- <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Tough luck. Yeah, Shut up. Literally. Eat the food. <laughs> Get on with it. Um, yeah. And what? 
What makes it so unique, Store, would you say? Is it that sort of laid-backness, but also with really high-level food? I hope so. I want people to be relaxed here. I mm-hmm. think that's always my goal. It's always like, I like to feel relaxed in restaurants. I like watching people eat the canapes with their fingers. You know, I like to... Yeah. People like, think we're a fine dining restaurant. I've never called this a fine dining restaurant. People call it that. I've never called it that. I don't mm-hmm. think it is that. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be more just like a nice place to be that hopefully serves some tasty food. And what's the, I mean, what's your sort of clientele like? Because you say, obviously, yeah, some, some older people come in and maybe not agreeing with the house. Is it, well, yeah, sort of, I mean. We get a few old people, um, but they're brilliant. Yeah, And I think hopefully we're a bit more refreshing in what we're trying to do. Mm. I think people, obviously, traditionally, the chef is stuck in a kitchen behind a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think what me and Hazel do, who's the, the chef I cook with, mm-hmm. we, a lot of people like to talk to the chef. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a big draw for what we can offer is people like to have a chat with us and find out what we've done, what we're doing, what we're planning, and mm-hmm. things like that. And do you get um? I mean, do you get people coming back time and time again, or is it sort of more people we're traveling? Lucky, honestly, we have had some very loyal regulars. Like, mm-hmm. You know, um, I won't name names, but some people come every like six to eight weeks, and I that think for incredible. a restaurant like this to have that draw back like they mm. just keep coming back and it's, it's great to see yeah honestly because you build up a relationship with them along the way yeah, of course <clears throat> and do you think that sort of i mean is that because of because of where you are there's maybe fewer places offering sort of that that level of cuisine or do you think it is just because i mean that's not even true anymore is it because where you are there's increasing like traditionally obviously restaurants yeah yeah like, oh, traditionally and it would be well you know all the stars are in london so if you've got yeah. one up north, then you're going to be drawing people from all over the place. But now I think the fact that you've managed to, to maintain that must be really quite unique. Yeah. So no, it's cool. I think it's a really good position to be in. Amazing. Um, and, and your tasting menu, is it ever changing? Is it sort of, you know, service to service, day to day, week to week? Um, yeah, we definitely don't do the whole shebang at once. We try and do like one dish every week or every other week, mm-hmm. uh, like... Because you get into a bit of a rhythm, and, and the, the more a dish is on, the more you can refine it. Like, if you put a dish on in week one, mm-hmm. you know, by, by the time you get to week three, it'll look better, it'll be better, you've refined it, you've been yeah, like, you know, along the way. Um, so it's nice to kind of get it to a point where you're really happy with it, and then run with it for a month. Like, it's... Um, What's that process like? I mean, talk me through sort of how you come up with that. Do oh, you sort of see what's on... Nice. Yeah, sometimes you sit there and wonder what you're going to cook and then you don't have a clue and then you get an idea and then another idea springs off that idea and then all of a sudden you kind of pull a dish together. Like, uh-huh. you go speak to the other chefs in the building, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. And then things just develop and work. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I've, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't a chef and I was working in a, in a restaurant but it, which had a Michelin green star. And it's that sort of it was a similar tasting menu and working with the chefs, even just sort of with the front of house team, because um, it was very small scale to sort of everyone together do mise en place and come up with these dishes. It's sort of the most exciting thing about working in a kitchen like that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So um, if I had to go on to your menu now, <clears throat> today, what's yeah. your favourite dish on there today? I really like the chicken waffle because I think it's a oh. bit playful, a bit fun. So it's like a waffle that we season with some mixed spice. Mm-hmm. Um, then we do like a Paco Jet chicken liver parfait. Oh, okay. um, so we put like a nice rocher of that on top. And then we make blood orange marmalade, put that on, some pickled cranberries. 
And then we do like a piece of fried chicken pot thigh, like buttermilk oh, chicken. So this is like proper U. I feel like you're taking inspiration from your time in the States here. <laughs> exactly. It's proper dirty America, isn't it? Um, Unbelievable. And then we cover it in like soy and maple reduction. So we just boil oh. equal parts soy and maple. And then we make like this savory crumble out of Jerusalem mm -hmm. artichoke skins. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. Um, yeah, we slowly bake Jerusalem artichokes, squash them, dehydrate them, fry them till they're crisp, and then chop them. And that's like, our, we mix that with chive and mm -hmm. put that over, over the top. I feel like this dish perfectly sums up the amount of effort that you guys go to for every single every yeah, single item that comes out the kitchen. That is amazing. And how how many... People say to me, they're like, why don't you just blend the artichokes? Because the answer is they go to powder. Yeah, exactly. Like powder, it's, I like it when it's like the size of like a crumble. Yeah, amazing. I mean, how many how many um, covers are you? Um, the most we can do is 18. But yeah, we, due to our table, it depends on the table configuration, but so anywhere uh -huh. between like like 12 and 16 is a comfortable number for us in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And drinks, what does a sort of, is it is that all paired with you guys? Or do you... We offer two pairings. Uh -huh. yeah, we've recently brought in a sort of, a, we do a pairing A and a pairing B, we call it. One mm -hmm. is um, £45 and one is £85. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you're still keeping it at sort of a very affordable level for people who are searching for for high level yeah. cuisine but you know it's not out of it it's not out of everyone's price range i don't think <clears throat> i think we give a very good product at a reasonable price and how challenging has that been recently with increases in everything in prices of produce electricity i mean you yeah, guys must be wild. it is wild and th does a smaller scale make that more difficult for you definitely because it's still you still got to have all the stoves the lights on when people are in the building um but we make it work. It's, you know, we make mm -hmm. it work. And I mean, um, if you had to sort of say which, because obviously we talked about a lot of the places that you've worked over the years and the people you've, you've inspired, who've inspired you, are there any restaurants in particular in, in um, England and, you know, across the world that you really take inspiration from? Where you haven't worked, but you've visited and gone, wow, this is what this is what I want to do. I, I really love a restaurant in Montreal called Joe Beef. It's uh -huh. like a quite classic French bistro, but it's always busy. It's always round. It is classic French food, but you know, with a kind of a modern twist, mm -hmm. it's just incredible. Like really, really fun food. I I've been to Montreal three times. Every time I've been really there, <laughs> amazing. Okay, a couple more fun ones to sort of to, to end it on. The first one is dinner party. So you're cooking for five people, yeah. and I mean they can be whoever you like. Who are they essentially? Dead or alive? Yeah, dead or alive, both. You'd have to have Anthony Bourdain, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's so funny because the person I was asking this yesterday said the exact same thing. <laughs> Honestly, he's like, if you've read Kitchen Confidential, yeah. I mean, I read Kitchen Confidential when I was eighteen. Mm -hmm. Didn't really understand it, and obviously I didn't really understand New York. Then after, I read it when I was about twenty-eight. Again, yeah. After I've lived in New York in a shop a lot longer, such a good book. It's so good. Yeah, I completely sort of. Yeah, it's it's like a manifesto of cooking. It, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? The insight it gives. Okay, so we, we've got Anthony. Who are we putting alongside him? Delia Smith. Oh, oh! I feel like those two. Those two. If they didn't ever meet, they absolutely should have done. I know. I know. And then third would have to be Keith Floyd. Mm -hmm. yep. I used to love watching him when I was younger. 
Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. Flash Floyd, bit of an iconic, oh. bit of an iconic book that one. Yeah, and then Gordon Ramsay because you know because Gordon. Yeah. Uh, last one. I mean, it doesn't have to be chefs. I mean, we could be sort of someone yesterday threw in Adele. So we very could. Very nice. We, very nice. I'd go to. I'd go Jake Humphrey. Oh, I I love Jake Humphrey. That'd be perfect. Yeah, I think he'd bring a bit of level-headedness to the table. Calm things down. Great, great thing to say. Yeah, such a good talker. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, and then just finally, a sort of death row meal. So we've got starter, main, dessert, and drink. What are you going for? Starter would be chicken liver parfait with loads of foie gras on it. Oh, indulgence summed up Change, in a dish. Like loads of, loads of brioche, yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Um, main would have to be Christmas dinner. Not quite my mum. Love it. Um, but yeah, loads of stuff in chipolatas. Turkey. What's the favourite bit yeah. for you of the Christmas dinner? Because obviously we've got a lot of variations going on. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Oh, 100%. And dessert would be sticky toffee pudding. Okay. How's your sticky toffee pudding? Have you ever sort of offered a refined sticky toffee pudding at store? Do you know what I haven't? And it's because we we just do so many courses. I think if I put a sticky toffee pudding down at the end... (laughs) People would die. Yeah. And they'd need wheelchairs to get them out. (laughs) Yeah. Although sometimes I do think that's a sign of a good meal. Yes, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And then your drink pairing. It wouldn't pair with the food. Well, yeah. A bottle of white burgundy. Oh, ideal. Absolutely. Is that, yeah. that, is that your go-to drink, would you say? On a... 100%. Yeah, without fail. Amazing. And then sort of just to, to finish it, going forward, what's the plan for store? What's the plan for you? I mean, you've had, we should say, you've just been awarded your, your first star. So it's been the most bonkers week. It's um, been a wild week. I never expected it, so it's been a crazy week to receive it. Um, obviously, a huge privilege, huge mm-hmm. honour. Um, yeah, big smiles all round. But I think we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Like, there's no, I just don't see a reason to change what we're doing. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, star or no star, we're happy with what we're delivering. We're happy with the things we're cooking. We're happy with the service. Mm-hmm. We're just in a, in a happy place, in a happy restaurant. So I think just just continue. The, the only thing I might do is add, because at the minute we're dinner only, I mm-hmm. might throw in a, a cheeky lunch service. Yeah, cheeky Sunday lunch service, maybe. Sort of... Yeah, something like that. We'll see, we'll see. You heard it here first. <laughs> and, um... nothing, nothing confirmed, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, also, I mean, I know I said last question, but I just remember reading that you've cooked for some amazing people um and some names that sort of really jump off the sheet but i'm not going to spoil them i'd like you to say sort of the person that you've most enjoyed cooking for and the person you've been most I nervous well there's a, to be fair there's there's three or four who kind of blew me away I, well i was lucky enough sort of after london after i did a year in london mm-hmm. i went to work on necker island which is obviously owned by richard branson this is one of them this is one of the ones i wanted you to say <laughs> yeah so that was cool. I originally went out there to do three months. Mm-hmm. And I ended up staying for six. Oh wow! It's a, it's a big party island. Definitely not the highlight of anyone's cooking career. No, I can imagine. Um, you're cooking for a lot of wealthy American people. A lot so. of very rude people, perhaps. Yeah, no, do you know what? There were actually some very lovely people. Uh huh. There was. Yeah, there was some really. We met some apps because everyone's in holiday mode. That's true. Know, yeah, all, I can say that. Yeah. All just there on holiday, having a good time. Everyone's drunk. It was beautiful. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Liam. And um, you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure. And as I say, I'm going to let you get away because it's been a busy week and it's only going to get busier this week, oh, I imagine. Yeah, the book is filling up. It's, it's, it looks like a lot of hard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is what you've, you've got yourself into. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> thanks so much. And um, yeah, thanks for giving me the time. Thank you Cheers. very much. Bye. Lovely, to, lovely to meet you. Thanks so much again to Liam and to you for listening. There are so many more exciting chefs and cooks to come on Meet the Chefs, as well as more episodes of Oxford Eats too. So stay tuned. For more updates and for all the images around all these brilliant tastings and chefs, Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Ollie Eats It All. That's O L I Eats It All. Thanks, like, subscribe, and stay tuned for more episodes.